0: Welcome to Intersect, where church meets culture. I'm Josh Dash, the lead pastor at Northeast Presbyterian Church in Columbia, South Carolina, and I am joined, as always, by my wife, the jovial Betsy. Hello, Bets. Great to see you.
1: Thank you. I hope I said that jovially.
0: You. It's hard for you to not be jovial, <laughs> which is that's sweet. A sweet thing about you. Hey, um, Bets, are you feeling a little tired today?
1: Um, I mean, maybe.
0: Well, if our audience is feeling tired, I got a title for them today. Wake up, people. You're a miracle. Yes. <laughs> How was that?
1: In all caps.
0: Um, Bets, you're leading us in this episode. What does this title mean? Wake up, people. You're a miracle. What What do we need to wake up to?
1: Well, let's start it this way. Josh, what do you know about physics?
0: It starts with the PH. I mean... <laughs>
1: Okay, pretty basic. I took
0: it in high school.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask. I didn't know high school you. I know college you had no use for college physics in history and philosophy. How'd you do in high school physics?
0: Uh, Not amazing. Um, (laughs) Not horrible. Not horrible. But um, yeah, let's just say it wasn't my best subject in high school. Yeah. But, um, you know. You survived? I survived. It had a lot of math. Yeah, Um, that's my
1: issue with physics. Yeah. So I took, I was a a biology major at Covenant College, and um, as a biology major, you're required to take two semesters of college physics, and um, I'm just going to say that was by far the lowest point of my college career. Um, Those two semesters were horrible. You know, I survived general chemistry, I survived organic chemistry, but um, then came college physics, and it was a train wreck. And I think, you know, there's a lot of math and physics, like a lot, and it just does not jive with the way that I think. So I spent a lot of time in the professor's office trying to get tutoring. And I remember he was kind of exasperated with me, although he was a very nice guy. Um, And I did, you know, I did I did all right in the end, but it was it was a struggle. So anyway, physics, that is a different way of thinking And I have grown to appreciate the principles of physics, at least, now that I don't have to do any equations or anything anymore. So interestingly, one of our daughters is really interested and fascinated, actually, by astronomy. And so I don't really know how... I can't remember how this all happened, but for Christmas, one of her brothers got her the book called Astrophysics for Young People in a Hurry. It's by um, Neil deGrasse Tyson... He is an astrophysicist sure. at um, the American Museum of Natural History, which is in New York City. Yeah,
0: and and we all knew about him before the book because sure. he's on PBS and stuff oh, like yeah. that. Oh yeah, he's.
1: I mean, he, surely you would figure he's he has to be at the top of his field. You know, he's yep. the director of the Hayden Planetarium at the Museum of Natural History. He's he's written books. Uh, yeah, he's just seen places, so you have to think that he's. He's a pretty big deal in this field. So anyway, we have this book in our house, Astrophysics for Young People in a Hurry. And this is the young reader's edition of his book, Astrophysics for People in a Hurry. And so I'm glad that we have the young reader's edition because I feel like I've probably absorbed 5% of the young reader's edition. And so I can't imagine reading. I got
0: to gotta be honest. I think I'm a young reader's kind of guy in most subjects. <laughs> <laughs> like... I would probably take that version in, in uh, a lot of different fields.
1: Yeah, young readers is you know, pretty cool. Yeah. Like they break I mean, it down. They make it more basic. They make
0: it. They make it basic. Yeah.
1: So anyway, we've been reading this book, and it's really fascinating. So as we've been reading this book at home, um, we don't read it every night, but you know we're 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 working our way through it slowly. And as we've read it, man, I have learned a lot, and it's it's upped my wonder factor, mm. my wonder quotient. Thinking about the universe and the way that it was made, and so that is the. uh, It's a very roundabout way of getting back to the title, to say, "Wow, people living on the planet Earth, we are truly a miracle in the universe." Love it, and um, so this is this is what I wanted to do today. I wanted to talk about very briefly because, like I said, I haven't understood a lot of it. So I'm going to do a very surface surfacing blow is that is that a thing glancing blow
0: glancing sure yeah sure.
1: at uh the top five things from this book that have blown my mind and um again this will be not very deep um, but so let's start this off with dark energy josh i'm gonna be honest i don't even know if i had heard that phrase before this book mm-hmm. dark energy um do you remember when we read that section
0: oh yeah So, I usually, most nights, I'm in the room, too, as we're reading to Summer about uh, astrophysics. And my understanding of dark energy is, basically, the energy that we're able to observe and measure does not fully explain everything that we see and experience in the universe. Right. So, there has to be something else. That's my understanding of it.
1: Yeah. So... Dark energy is a force of nature. No one really knows what it is. You can measure it. You can predict what it will do, but no one knows what it is. So it's a force that fights gravity. So, you know, gravity wants to implode the universe, basically, and like suck it closer and closer together. Mm-hmm. And I think, and dark energy leads to the universe expanding faster than people would predict.
0: So it's like the universe flexing?
1: I guess, Like yeah. kind
0: of just like... yeah. So
1: this has just been fascinating. Dark energy makes up 68% of the universe. Yeah, that was crazy. And we don't even know what it is. So it's just this really cool, like, what is going on here? Humans aren't even capable of understanding these things that are so basic to our existence. Okay, second Mm -hmm. thing. Dark matter's, uh, I mean, dark energy's cousin is dark matter. So that is some kind of matter that generates gravity without visible mass. So you can't see it but people know it's there and it creates these powerful gravitational fields that have no other explanation.
0: And do you remember what percentage of all matter is dark matter?
1: Uh I think dark matter cuz I was... feel like
0: it was like 94% of yeah. all matter is dark matter. No, you know what or it was is? That?
1: It's it's 5% of the universe. Is made up of things that we can see. Okay, well that's still ridiculous. And the rest of it is dark matter. So everything that
0: we can see and measure—the sun, the moon, Saturn, everything else, the comets, everything—we're seeing five percent. That's
1: five percent, yeah. And there's so much there, and no one knows what it is. Therefore, they've given these things the name dark energy and dark matter. So that is mind blowing. So then moving on, number three, the thing—the next thing that's blown my mind is galaxies. you know, scientists estimate that there's upward of 100 billion galaxies, which, if you just think about that, you, that's a number we can't even comprehend. And then in a normal galaxy, there's hundreds of billions of stars. So when you put those two numbers together, people estimate that there's 10 to the 24 stars in the universe. So, so that's the, 10 with 24
0: zeros. So the Milky Way, a 1 with 24 the zeros. The Milky Way is a galaxy. Right. And there's 100 billion Milky Ways.
1: More than that. Yep. More than that. In the observable universe, which might mean there's more that we can't see. And every
0: see. galaxy has millions of stars? No, no, no,
1: no, no. Hundreds of billions of stars. What?
0: You I lo- know. You've already lost me. I know. Okay.
1: But just think about that. And then, you know, scripture says he calls them by name. Like this, mm. if this doesn't enliven our view of who, of who God is as a creator, like this is just amazing to take this a deep is, this dive is amazing. into into this kind of thing. Um, okay, so two more quick things. Number four, did you know, Josh, that telescopes actually can show us the past?
0: Um, it's yeah. really
1: amazing. So the way that it works is um, light takes time. Remember the light years? We learned about that sure, in like elementary sure. school.
0: Back to the so, Future taught me that.
1: Yeah, light takes time to travel to our telescopes so we can see it. So if you look at Mars in a telescope, the light that travels from Mars to Earth takes 12 minutes. It takes 12 minutes to get here. So you're actually seeing what Mars looked like 12 minutes ago. So if you follow that out and you're looking at something very, very far away, you're actually seeing, you know, the farther away it is, the, the, long, the deeper you're going back into history for the light to travel to our eyes, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Sure. So we can use telescopes to see backward in time. That blew my mind.
0: Yeah. Now I have no idea how they can determine that.
1: Oh yeah, I don't but know, that's above our. Papers. So
0: isn't isn't the light from the sun? So that's like six minutes back in time, right, or something? However oh. long the light from the sun takes. Yeah. It's I don't it's know. not very long. No. But, oh, Wait. It's it's eight. Oh, eight, eight minutes, minutes. Billy says, "Thank why you, Billy." Billy gets the big bucks. Yeah. Eight <laughs> minutes. So every time the sun, the light that we're getting from this is eight minutes in the past. Yeah. Okay. It's
1: pretty awesome. So if you take a picture of the sun, not that you could ever do that, but that would we would see it eight as it was eight okay. minutes before that. Wow. So yeah, that's really cool. All right, last thing I want to mention from this book is wormholes. Y'all, what is a wormhole? I mean, that, that blew my mind. Um, so basically, I can't even explain it very well, but it's about, if you think of gravity, gravity is so strong, if you think about the possibility that it could bend space and it could bring two points close together... And they could touch, and you could get some kind of hole that you could go through. Like, no one knows if that's real, but um, Albert Einstein called it a bridge. But what if that was real? And we could, you could go through a wormhole. It's amazing. That'd be awesome. Yeah. So, anyway, those are just things that make us say, What? This is incredible, right? Wake up. Wake up.
0: Wake up. We're in a miracle. This is amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson, I, I, don't have any reason to think that he's a believer but he lives in this amazing universe and he acknowledges its wonder and its mystery and acknowledges there's so much we don't know I mean that's a theme in this book is we don't know why this is we don't know why this is we don't know why this is, why this is. and he wants people to witness the splendor of the cosmos and just yeah. how small we are yeah
0: and and I, I would even say it's probably not that much of a stretch to say that he wants people to worship the cosmos not in the like going to a worship service but he wants people to be held in awe yes by the universe that we're living in
1: yes and like they are not you know just it's incredible that we're here in the first place how did we get here uh it's just amazing so so josh our favorite well one of our favorite recording artists is john mark mcmillan i don't know if all of our um, listeners know who he is but he's He's very profound, and he loves this kind of stuff. You can tell if you listen to his music that he loves thinking about big realities, uh, the mysteries of the universe. It comes out in a lot of ways that, um, in a lot of ways that he writes his music. So, anyway, I just wanted to read a lyric. I'm not going to sing it, although I could. But I'm not going. That's to. I mean. <laughs> so so yeah, it's our podcast. So it's from a, one of his songs called "Christ Jesus." And I love this because it's really profound. So he says, This there is a garden in the void, in the desert of space, a speck of blue dust in the vacuum of hate. So we drive to work, we walk our car, we walk our dogs, we make babies, we sing songs, and all along, are we asleep inside the miracle of it all? Mm. And I think there is this sense that our lives are, you know, we view them as so mundane. I get up, I go to work, I wash the dishes, I do the laundry, I do the shopping. But yet, our lives are a miracle. The fact that we're here at all is incredible. So, um, Josh, how do you think that we see some of those ways that we just move through life acting disenchanted, as it were? That is a real word, by the way.
0: Oh, disenchanted. I think we live in a disenchanted world, period. Yes. We've talked about how the Canadian philosopher Charles Taylor this is his big contribution Mm -hmm. is to say that all the potential of the spiritual, the supernatural, the enchantment has been taken out of the world. And we live in this cold universe where we're told that everything can be explained by science.
1: Yeah. And that nothing, there are no outside forces, as it were, exerting anything on your life. Like everything that is true about your life is something that is, Rational and, you know, can be explained X, Y, or Z. You know, that's kind of the drive of our culture, I think, is away from thinking about you as a person acted upon by something from the outside, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. I think ancient people, you know, we always love to think that we're so much smarter than anybody who lived before us. But uh, in a lot of ways, they lived in a more interesting world than we do. Because they believed in the supernatural. Mm-hmm. They believed in uh an enchanted world. Mm-hmm. And so we find ourselves living and
1: enchanted. We don't mean like fairies and
0: no, um, but we do you know. mean we do mean angels and demons. Absolutely. We mean miracles. Good and we evil. we mean the whole nine. I mean, right, right, right. and now we find ourselves living in this very mechanistic mm-hmm. uh technological world. And yeah, it is kind of just like it can be blah.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: And and you can find yourself like, it, you know, you don't, you, you never experience the birds chirping.
1: Sure. Because right. you're
0: just staring at a screen.
1: And you're going to the next thing. Yep. So I wanted, I, I don't know what you would contribute, but, you know, as I reflect on this, what are ways, what are ways that I find our world miraculous if I actually stop and think about it? And I think I've said this on our podcast before, but the speaking voice, the human speaking voice blows my mind. Because, uh, yeah, I think I, I think I spoke about this when we had Jeremy and Carrie on because we all have the same part to make us speak, but we all sound so different. And, you know, you can hear someone talk from like really far away and you know who it is. That is so amazing to me. How is that not like, that should blow our minds every day, but we don't ever think about it. (laughs)
0: That's true. Yeah, it's true.
1: And also singing. Why do we sing? Like, that's really weird if you think about it. We open our mouth and we, like, do the thing where our voice goes up and down. And, like, why do we do that?
0: Yeah, who else is singing? Are the foxes singing?
1: I don't think they are. I mean, birds. Birds definitely sing. What did the fox say?
0: That's a song. But (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why that came to mind. It's
1: not what did the fox sing, though.
0: Oh, yeah, you're right. Um, (laughs) No, it is incredible. There's so many things. You know, the whole idea that we are evolved primates is... I've always just thought to myself, the difference between humanity mm-hmm. and the most advanced primate is just so like it's just infinite.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, like that that should move us to worship every day. That that that's our that's our hope and our even why we want to talk about this is like, wow, let's have some wonder for the fact that the primates are in the jungle and here we are building skyscrapers. Yeah, we're doing
0: doing incredible things. We're jumping on jets, flying across the world in a matter of hours. Launching
1: stuff, SpaceX.
0: SpaceX, we're going into space. It's incredible.
1: I also, so a couple more things that I was thinking about. Have you ever thought how incredible it is that you can feel a splinter? Think of how sensitive your skin is. I mean,
0: incredible is not the word that comes to mind when I think well, about okay, a when yeah, I think hurts. about a splinter.
1: Right. But think of how tiny that is when you pull it out and the fact that that was bothering you like you're walking on you walk on a little tiny something or other. Isn't it incredible that your foot feels that and it bothers you? Your skin is so sensitive. Sure, it That's is. amazing to it me. Is.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's actually true that it's, there's a condition where people can't feel pain. Mm. Uh, and that's actually, you know, that's kind of like, we all think that would be the dream, but it's not the dream. You want to no, know why? Really bad. Because if you got like a cut right. and you never knew that,
1: right? you would get terrible. In, you'd be terrible. You yeah. get
0: infection, all kinds of stuff. So, right. um, actually yeah. God had a purpose in right. even designing pain.
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, I mean, we could talk for forever. How about the smell of a lemon? And that just comes off a tree and it smells so good. How often do we stop lemon. to enjoy the smell of a lemon? How about, oh, now this is a funny one. I grew up in a family, my mom and dad, it was really my mom, I think. She was a kind of a battle axe in a lot of ways. And they would not turn the air conditioning on unless it was, it had to be just about 100.
0: Clearly, they did not live in Colombia.
1: I mean, they. W- I, I really want to say they wouldn't have even in Columbia. It yeah. could be as humid. You know, you could go outside and your skin would drip. They did not care. They would not turn on that dang air conditioning. So we would sleep with the windows open and we had this giant house fan and that would help. But just such a wonderful summer childhood memory for me is falling asleep to the noises that bugs make at night.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And there's these incredible, you know, the cicadas or whatever, the grass. I don't even know who what they all are, but they make this cacophony It's actually really loud. It's a
0: symphony. It's a bug symphony. It's awesome.
1: Yeah. It's so cool. So that was one yeah. of my, uh, like a really, something about summer that was always distinctive, like falling asleep to that and wonderful. So now I thank them that they didn't turn the air on and that the windows were open. <laughs> mm. But anyway, there's just so much. There's so much. If you actually think about the ways that this world has these treasures that we don't stop to appreciate. And that's something that I want to grow in is just taking time to marvel at the world around us and at the universe around us. That was so beautifully um, explained in this book that we've been reading. So um,
0: You know, what's awesome is that as a Christian... I can listen to that book and worship mm-hmm. and learn yeah, exactly. regardless of whether the author gives God any credit.
1: That's right. God gets the glory for everything, yeah. for all of those things we learned about dark energy and dark matter. He knows exactly mm-hmm. what it is. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, there's just, that would be my encouragement to myself and to you and to anyone who listens to this. Just take some time today. Find you know, something you know, to enjoy.
0: My so my, what my, So I work obviously in a church and I'm in the office a lot because I'm usually behind a screen. I'm usually looking at my computer screen. But today I went outside, um, sat under our shelter at the church for a few minutes, and I was thinking about the episodes and I just heard a bird chirp. Mm. And I, was just, I, I heard a, a bird sing for mm-hmm. a minute or two. It was, yes. really, it was beautiful. I would say this. I mean, I think the thing is we have to get outside and be with nature. Yeah, yeah, In definitely. one way or another. I know you got beach people, you got mountain people, you got mm-hmm. park people, you got... Sit on the back porch, people. people. You got front porch you got people. people. You got snow people. Yeah,
1: I don't understand you. You snow got
0: people, people. who climb trees. <laughs> Read a book about that one time it was super cool. Climbing the redwood sequoias. You got all kinds of stuff. You gotta, you gotta get out there and see the wonder. Because as great as movies are and all that stuff, God's created an incredible world. Mm-hmm. He wants us to experience it, appreciate it.
1: Yeah, and the neat thing is the science um, validates that it's good for you to go outside. And oh, yeah. you know, there's so many studies about that. Green de-stresses us, and and all that stuff. So, um, I agree with I'm right there with John Mark McMillan that this world is a miracle, and we need to we need to take some time today to appreciate that.
0: You know, I just want to throw out my favorite Dallas Willard quote right now. Mm. The main thing God gets out of your life is not the things you accomplish, but the person you become. Mm. And this episode to me is about rejecting. The partly, it's about rejecting the notion that my life exists for productivity Mm. and for sort of this robotic output mindset. Mm. But I'm also existing to just experience the wonder of this incredible world.
1: That's right, and to experience the wonder of the people that God has put in your life.
0: Remember that Louis Armstrong song? Yeah, I think we should have Billy sing that. Billy, what? What a wonderful world!
1: He's saying no, everybody.
0: Oh man, Next time. Next this time. has been great.
1: Well, as we love to do often on Intersect, because Josh and I both love to read. Um, Josh, do you have a book that you would like to share?
0: Yeah, I'm always reading a million things. Um, I'm the perpetual guy who's got like seven books going at once. Um, but a book that I recently finished uh, was called Blitz. Blitzed. It's kind of a hard word to say. Mm-hmm. Um, the Third Reich on Drugs. I think it was the subtitle. I don't have it in front of me but it was actually fascinating. I like to read about World War II and um, the Nazis presented this, uh, that they were the super race, they were invincible, all this stuff. But actually there was a huge drug epidemic that occurred uh, in Nazi Germany during World War II because Mm. basically they gave all the soldiers amphetamines. Like that's how they were able to do the blitzkrieg and take over France. They were on drugs Um, And basically they were all on meth. Like that's Mm. what amphetamine is. Um, And then I found out Hitler was like this crazy drug user, which I had no idea about. And uh, apparently by the time Hitler dies, he's just like this major druggie, all this stuff. So sort of fascinating just from the historical standpoint, the Nazi regime was more uh, corrupt and uh, just decaying than I ever realized before. But it also showed me that like, it showed just how bankrupt the whole ideology was. Like it was so, it was so hypocritical. Because here they are, they're saying the Jews are, you know, this inferior people, and that they're they're this and that. And there were just it was, there was drugs everywhere mm. in Nazi Germany. I had no idea about that. Wow. Um, so yeah, it was just interesting. I like reading about World War II, and praise God that that uh, the uh, we we took down Hitler and his mm. and his people. But he was actually a horrible military leader, too. I learned that, too. Hmm. I think that might have been God's hand. You know, Dunkirk? Uh, um, the, remember, Hitler had a chance where he probably could have won the war or at least really come close, and he blew it.
1: Hmm. Well, I I actually am also reading a book about drugs, um, and I would love to recommend Don't read they've...
0: into that, audience.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's nothing to see here. Um, but actually, this book is fascinating. It's called Empire of Pain, The Secret History of the Sackler Dynasty by the author um, Patrick Radden Keefe. Now, I don't know if people know the name Sackler. I feel like it's been in the news recently, but a lot. Per, for years. Purdue Pharma. Purdue Pharma. They are the people behind OxyContin. And... Um, this book y'all is absolutely fascinating. It's a deep dive into the Sackler family. They were these obsessive philanthropists, which is so interesting while they um they were very wealthy before OxyContin even came on the scene, but then they obviously got exp- exponentially Wealthier as a family, and you know you can you could see all kinds of stuff named after them. There was a I remember when we went to the Met when we lived in New Jersey. There was the Sackler wing, was there, and I think their name has been scrubbed from a lot of places now that, um, you know, people woke up to what OxyContin was doing to people. So anyway, fascinating book. It's very deeply reported, and I recommend it.
0: I just want to say, if you struggle with opioids, please go talk to somebody. Mm -hmm. Seriously. Come talk to your pastor. Mm -hmm. Come talk to somebody. That is a huge, huge scourge. It is. And a lot of people are enslaved to that. Yep. All right. Well, um, everybody, you live in an incredible, amazing world. Wake up to the wonder. Yes. Bets, what are we asking our audience to do?
1: Well, we've got a Facebook page. It's called Intersect Podcast. We'd love to see you there and interact with you there. And uh, if you would rate, review, and subscribe on those podcasting apps, that would be fantastic.
0: We will see you next time.